0: Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. Monster House presents.
1: Monster Talk is supported by listeners like you. Find out how you can contribute via Patreon or with reviews at monstertalk.org forward slash support. Your contributions, large or small, make a huge difference. Thanks.
2: In Search Of has investigated the mystery of many ancient monuments, the pyramids, Stonehenge, and Easter Island. A solution to these puzzles may be concealed in Florida's Coral Castle. This monumental structure was created by one man with his bare hands in the 20th century. What strange forces created this castle of secrets? It's actually quite unlike
0: anything we've ever seen before.
1: Welcome to Monster Talk, the science show about monsters. I'm Blake Smith.
0: And I'm Karen Stoltzner.
1: It's 2021, and I've been trying to get some of our backlog of Monster Talk live shows out to you. But this is our first episode recorded in 2021. This year's already shaping up to be a kind of continuation of 2020 in some ways, but there are signs that science and medicine are making dents in this pandemic. Karen and I wish you a happy new year, and to get things started, we're visiting a topic that she's researched very deeply and that she loves very much, and that's the legends around the structure in southern Florida known as Coral Castle. It was featured in the fifth season of the Leonard Nimoy-hosted series In Search Of in an episode titled The Castle of Secrets. Billy Idol wrote one of his more popular songs after being inspired by the site and the story of its purpose. The site's made of limestone, but it soaks up conjecture like a sponge. But that's enough preamble. Let's get into the Monster Doll. Well, well, Happy New Year, guys.
0: Yeah, Happy New Year. I, I guess it's still early enough into the new year.
1: Um, in my world, it's only like the third day of the new year, so it's very exciting. <laughs> yeah. i just been too anxious to really enjoy myself. So,
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it's been a stressful um, half a month already. That's for sure. Yeah, I guess we'll, we'll get straight into it. So we're going to be talking about uh, Coral Castle today, and uh, I think we've talked about this topic here and there for various reasons. Uh, we haven't done a complete show.
1: No, no, we haven't. Yet. Yeah, and and I, I especially wanted to talk about it because I know it's a. a of all the paranormal mysteries this one that you've done a lot of work on and, and seem to really love. So, and yeah,
0: it's been, it's been, it's been almost, one of my favorites.
1: almost exactly a year ago. I finally got to go see it myself. Although it really, that's right. That was like one of the last things we did before the shutdown. Yeah. So it really feels like it just happened. It was like the last interesting thing I did.
0: <laughs> and it is, it is actually closed now to the public too. So it's normally open to the public, but uh, we're joined today by Matthew Baxter as well.
2: Welcome back, Matthew. Thank you so much. How's everybody doing?
0: Good. Good, good. And we should add to that uh, if our listeners haven't checked it out yet, that we have a Monster Talk YouTube channel and that Matt has been very instrumental in helping us to build the channel with his Ask a Paranormal Investigator videos, which have been very popular too, where uh, he invites everyone to send in videos, uh, footage of claims of ghosts and psychics and, and whatever interesting, strange thing you come across. And uh, I think he's already done about 22 videos so far.
2: 25. Wow. Twenty-five. If, if listeners yeah, want and, to and send if... you something, what's the best way to do that? Uh, well, on uh, askaparanormalinvestigator.com, they can use the contact form or they can do it through the Monster Talk Facebook group. Uh, or the Ask a Paranormal Investigator Facebook page, or they can throw a rock at me. Uh, it really doesn't matter. I'll, uh, I'll listen to all of it. Or they can just comment in the, the, the comments on the, the Ask a Paranormal Investigator uh, videos. But, uh, the, the last one I did was on EVPs, and uh, I just want to say that there is not a five-year-old child sitting here with me, and nobody is going to hear any five-year-old sounds coming through, and if they do, <laughs> it's just paranormal. A ghost.
0: Thank you for that warning. I think I can already hear
1: the ghost.
2: So I guess to get started, I, what
1: is Coral Castle?
0: That wasn't its original name. So originally it was named Rockgate Park by the creator, whose name is Edward, usually known as Ed, Leedscoutman. And so it, it is a, a rock sculpture park, that is currently located in Homestead in Florida. Um, so it's, I think, about halfway between Miami and the Florida Keys. And uh, so it is, yeah, a really interesting park of, uh, of these carved rocks. And uh, so the new owners renamed the place Coral Castle because the rock isn't actually coral and it's not, actually a castle either so that's just a bit of a gimmick neither a coral nor a castle
1: talk amongst yourselves right?
0: <laughs> or anything like that yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, i think that the, the three of us have had an interest in this topic now matt hasn't been to coral castle yet so hopefully one day he's certainly been around that area and to florida a number of times
2: i've driven by coral castle on a few occasions uh, uh, once was on a, a quest. To get to Hollywood, Florida, so I could buy a guitar, um, and uh, but, so I didn't have I didn't have time for that stuff when I was eighteen. Um, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's definitely interested me a lot, and and reading Karen's writings on it, uh, and of course, the first time I was exposed, I think it probably goes the same for all three of us, was in search of.
0: Yes, yeah. So I have written about this topic as Blake has mentioned uh, for a number of journals and magazines, and it also uh, comprises a chapter of Haunting America, my book, um, which is available on Amazon.
1: And well worth the read. I really like it. Yeah.
0: Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I In the book, I like to start by telling the folklore and then to come in and tell the facts behind the folklore, which is essentially what we're going to do right now.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's a good approach, <laughs> I think. We'll explain because if you don't, you don't explain why there's a mystery. Otherwise, I kept thinking it'd be fun to have a book series called... Explained mysteries, but <laughs> but you kind of have to tell why it's a mystery before you can explain it, right? So,
0: <laughs> Well, absolutely, and then that gives you a grounding to, to, to come in and, and debunk if you, you have to. Uh, but I first heard about Coral Castle from In Search of it, as Matt said, and that was the episode Castle of Secrets. And I think I was maybe about some well, – Matt said he was 18 years old and didn't have time for this kind of thing. Well, I was about eight, and I was just fascinated by this place. And certainly it was the way that the show was woven. Uh, it really seemed like a great mystery to me. And I think that that was your first, um, uh, your first contact with the, the story too, wasn't it Blake?
1: I believe so. Yeah. 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 I, it, it does show so, up in a lot of paranormal books too. And I, you know, I, I've, I've yeah. lost track of what I've read when, but yeah, absolutely. And,
0: uh, well, we can go into that a little bit later because Coral Castle really does feature in a lot of popular culture um, for, for good reason. So I guess we should give a little bit of background about the, the history of Coral Castle, and so it all begins with Ed, Edward Leedskalman, and he was born in Latvia in 1887. So the, the, tori- the story is always tied in with an apparent love interest of his, and she's given different names in different books and different articles. Usually she's known as Agnes, sometimes Agnes Scuffs, which to me doesn't sound very... Latvian or, or Lettish at all scuffs just sounds kind of English um, but there are different spellings of her name there's another book too in which she's listed as uh, I think Hermoine or Herm- Hermine again there are lots of different variations but uh, this claim is that Agnes was his uh, love interest of uh, sweet 16 he called her she was 16 and apparently he was about 26 in his 20s uh, around that age So one story is that she jilted him at the altar or that she wasn't interested in him. She rebuffed him in some way. And so that sent him to America, to the land of opportunity. So he went to North America. He traveled around North America. He started in Canada. And then he traveled around the United States working. And we'll get into that a little bit later as well. But uh, he lived in New Jersey and Texas and Washington and Oregon and California And unfortunately, then in the 20s, 1920s, he developed tuberculosis. And as we know from talking about places like Waverly Hills Sanatorium, um, it wasn't known at that point that it was a bacterial infection. So you had a lot of different theories about what you should do, how you should treat tuberculosis. And so a lot of people came here to Colorado because they thought a dry climate would be good. And then a lot of people went to places like Kentucky or Florida, thinking that a humid climate would be better. So Ed traveled to Florida. He went to Florida City. And uh, so, in the start of In Search of Castle of Secrets, there's a gentleman by the name of Reuben Moser, and he is just driving in the, I guess we'd call it the outback in Australia. And he comes across this little boy. He sees a boy in the distance. And as he approaches and gets closer, he discovers it's actually a very small, slight man, maybe about 90 pounds and about five feet tall. And uh, he discovers that he's very sickly. And he, as people did in those days, I guess, took him into his home and uh, he and his wife nursed Ed back to health. And... Uh, Ed had wanted to settle in that area, uh, so he started looking for appropriate land to build the house upon. And uh, I think that Reuben Moser was also a real estate agent, so he was assisting Ed in finding this land, and he kept rejecting all of this good quality, fertile land, and Moser didn't understand exactly what he was looking for, and and, uh, Ed would say, well, I'll know what I want when I see it. So eventually, he came across some land which was made of uh, oolite limestone, and it was very this this bedrock was very close to the surface. Not good land for farming or anything like that. But Ed wanted this land, purchased about ten acres, and set to work building a house. So, in a, a nutshell, he ended up spending the next thirty years building this this castle, this Rockgate Park. Uh, out of Oolite limestone and uh, creating a, a lot of very interesting ornamental and functional features uh, of this park, which we can get into more detail about. Um, but there's just a, as we know, uh, there are a lot of claims about how he did this uh, and and why he did this.
1: Yeah. Yeah, there are. It's And I'd like to talk about that because not just what the claims are, but like, I wonder how long those claims have been associated with it. Is is this one of those – in your book, you talked about how like the Winchester Mystery House, a lot of the sort of folklore around it was constructed on purpose by the owners after the death of the owner, original owner.
0: That's right. The Brown family. Yeah.
1: Right. And so – is this the same kind of thing or did he promote these sort of strange claims? I guess we need to talk about what they are, but I I'm really curious about that as we go through, how yeah, much well, of this was he, he coming up with himself or how much was sort of rose up after he was gone.
0: Yeah. And I do have quite a, I think a definitive answer uh, to that question, but I think in the meantime, we should probably talk a bit more about the features. Now, like being there, uh, what did you think of the place?
1: Well, I don't want to spoil it. I have a very specific thought because, uh, <laughs> I, 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 you know, growing up in the South, um, there are places – they're all over the country. But there's these places that you would call roadside attractions. Um, and, right. And one of the most famous ones is a little bit north of me in Chattanooga called Rock City. And all over the country, they came up with this advertising campaign where they would, like, paint on barns, see Rock City. No explanation of what it is, but – you know, just mm-hmm. Chattanooga. Tennessee. Anyway, but if you go there, you know, it. it's simultaneously, you're going there and like you've had all these questions about it. So I was simultaneously impressed and disappointed. So it was like, I have, I have a mixture of feelings, <laughs> but it was really cool to see it. And I had to keep reminding mm-hmm. myself, I need to think about these are all made by hand. Everything here is done by hand. And that's right. And as far as we know, mostly done by one person. So it, it is an impressive mm-hmm. thing. It's not impressive like a skyscraper, but it's darned impressive when you see because like one of the things you see when you get there, you mentioned he was a slight fellow. There's like a life size picture of him. He was tiny. He was like five feet tall. Uh, you know. Yeah. Was, yeah. And and little. He was just a little guy. Um,
0: well, Matt's been watching a lot of videos with me uh, about the topic. And we just thought it was interesting how he is portrayed as being five feet tall. In other sources, he's five feet six tall. In Mm-mm. other sources, he's five feet ten tall. Uh, and then sometimes he's portrayed as being 80 pounds or yeah. 90 pounds or 100 pounds, even 120 pounds. So I, I'm wondering if that is an accurate representation good question. of his size.
1: Yeah. Now, what, what is interesting to me is um, my my mother-in-law was born in Latvia. Um, and so she speaks Latvian and, you know, came across during World War II and, and moved into New York. And so my wife uh, grew up with a uh, a family where Latvian was, you know, very commonly spoken. She doesn't speak Lat. We we could say Labrit, which is like good morning. Uh, but but, but it, she, my mother-in-law was pretty excited that we were going to stop here because she lived in Miami for a while and was familiar with this place. Um, but her father, her uh, stepfather. Uh, his name was Paul and he was from Latvia and he was maybe five foot two. So when I saw the actual pictures of Ed, I was like, wow, I, mm-hmm. I know exactly what it's like to be next to a short statured, but uh very, uh, creative Latvian, because he came here and built his own house and like, you know, it, it just, I just felt a lot of weird kinship to this guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and I was impressed with what he had accomplished, but but I was just fascinated that anybody could look at this and think uh, it was paranormal because it did nothing across nothing came across as paranormal to me, but except for people telling mm-hmm. stories about it. So, but again, we really haven't talked about what the features are, so we we really all in discre- the
0: representation of it. And uh, Matt has been with me to the Winchester Mystery House, and and certainly get that same thing around San Jose, uh, around California. Go and see the Winchester Mystery House, and. And, yeah, they they don't tell you too much about what's mysterious about it. So there is a lot of marketing involved with these kinds of things. But I think I didn't see any marketing uh, in Florida. And I've been there a number of times. Uh, I've been to Miami and Fort Lauderdale uh, when I was affiliated with the James Randy Educational Foundation still. And no one really knew anything about Coral Castle. No one really – all the locals didn't really talk about it. And so I just thought that was interesting. But it's, to a lot of people, a very special place and a very – interesting place of wonder and mystery um uh, the the place in general is smaller than you would think again you think about a castle and you think of this magnificent large place and i guess it reminds me a little bit of the alamo it's smaller than you imagine it to be i guess it's just larger than life historically
1: what the the, <laughs> the alamo what is, what is that <laughs> Yeah. I sorry, I couldn't remember. It, so. yeah. <laughs> that
0: was the joke. <laughs> yeah. uh, so the place is is rather uh small, but there are a lot of features there and um I, I guess he it was it's kind of an outside house in a sense. He has this tower and that's where he lived. Yeah. He like had a, key, a bed like that he made key. from a yeah. yes, yes. And uh, he had a a bed that he made from harness and he just had a lot of uh, – he kept tools in there as well. But the the rest of the park is really outside and you've got all different kinds of things. There's a a table that's shaped like Florida. He was quite patriotic. Uh, And you have a a bedroom with these beds all all carved from stone. Um, And uh, he had about 25 rocking chairs. So we'll get to this a bit later as well, but uh, he he had a lot of rocking chairs and he liked people to to test them out. So everything was functional in that sense. Uh, and he had a um, a moon fountain, and he had a wall of planets, so the moon, and he had um, a crescent moons and Saturn and and other planets. He had a sundial and a telescope, and I think one of the most popular features and well-known features is the nine ton gate and it was said that a child could swing this gate open it was just built so perfectly um, the physics of it and uh a very very large uh block of stone and i think that that's where we start to get into a lot of the myths and legends how did he move these rocks because they range from about one tonne One to three tons, up to thirty tons. So one of the one of the stones is thirty tons. Yeah. Uh, And I think these are what short tons, so a little bit it would be a little bit um lighter than thirty actual tons today, but uh still extremely heavy. So the question is, well, how did how did he build these this park? How did he uh move these rocks by himself, especially if he was this slight one hundred pound um little latvian guy
1: exactly like i would it. say that that is the key thing here is that everything here is built out of stone this is like the flintstones like like you know how they have things like <laughs> they looks modern but they're made out of rock that's literally like everything there is made out of this 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 limestone and uh it yeah. so it, i we, you know we, we can definitely put some pictures in the show notes i i took my, well, Kathleen t- takes better pictures than I do. My wife took a bunch of pictures while we were there. So I've lot, I'm have i sure you I've have pictures, pictures too. So. Yeah, yeah
0: I, I think with the palm trees there and the plants, uh, everything's very green. And it's very, very pretty and it does come up well in photography. But it, again, it looks a lot bigger than it is. And people have said it's the eighth wonder of the world and uh, that it's America's Stonehenge and have compared it to the Taj Mahal and the Great Pyramids and that it's just – not uh, not the case in terms of size
1: <laughs> no no not really no it, it is it is a little bit underwhelming if you've if you've only read the hype yeah but again yeah, I, yeah. I i i had a very pleasant time there i think it's worth stopping to visit uh and much like when we went to area 51 um well we went to rachel uh you know we we came we saw we <laughs> we dropped several hundred dollars on tchotchkes. So I've got I've got like the uh, the the uh, Coral Castle Library over here of all. The, I bought the bu- book bundle and all kinds of stuff. But uh,
0: yeah, and I think that it's it's nice to keep these places open because they are privately owned, and sure the owners have come in and they've created uh, a lot of these mysteries. And again, we'll talk about that soon. But uh, I do think that just being able to keep this place open and to preserve it is is an important thing. So. Throwing yeah. them a little bit of money to to keep it going is good.
1: Now, wh- one thing if you're if you're an engineer type person, it, it is interesting. Um, we have near my house here we have the Etowah Mounds, which are a uh, part of the Mound Builder culture, uh, and they, they are big sort of uh, earth earthworks pyramids um, mm-hmm. here in Georgia. But near the mounds is a big trench that served as kind of a moat, but it's also where all the earth was excavated to make the mounds and similarly there's a sort of a moat around coral castle and that moat is where he pulled all his uh stone so i think it's kind of neat how he as he was pulling out the material to make this stuff he was also creating another feature for the park a quick editorial insert while i referred to them as moats during this interview that is only by analogy The quarry pits are outside the walls of the structure and they're protected by a gate, but they are not full of water and they don't turn the park into a kind of small island or anything like that. But the visual similarity is there to the extent that hearing them called moats is quite common. But they are just the limestone quarry site.
0: Yeah, yeah. So the quarry is still there. And uh, we need to add, too, that he moved the entire Rockgate Park at one point. And there's a lot of speculation about why he did that, but a number of years, he started building it in the early 1920s, and in the late 1920s, he decided to move the entire park about 10 miles away. And so, again, there are a lot of theories come into play about how was he able to move this entire park and and why did he do this? And so I guess we'll go into some of the theories. So the the myths and the legends of, of Coral Castle. So... A lot of people say, look, he could not have possibly built this by himself, that uh, he he might have enlisted the help of aliens or that he was an alien himself, that he couldn't have possibly done this without modern machinery like cranes and laser drills. And there's a quote that's attributed to him as well. A lot of quotes are attributed to him. And one is that he discovered the secrets of the pyramids. So it's also said that he used harmonic sound waves to build the park or that he used um, electromagnetic force, that he had built the park on ley lines. So one of the theories is that when he moved the park 10 miles, it was because he was off course for the ley lines and so he needed to to relocate to be positioned precisely on the the ley lines. So and, and one of the most popular theories is that he used levitation. And it's said that he always worked uh, at night and that he worked when no one a, was around so he deliberately avoided having anyone watch him and if you watch uh, uh, In Search Of there's a section where some people are watching him and he realises that they're watching him, he's about to levitate this large rock and as soon as he sees them he just stops what he's doing and so that was what people would say. I mean it, the thing I like about the episode of In Search Of is that they interview people who were around when he was still alive. So I don't know if you remember that, but uh, there were a woman and a fellow and they were kids at the time, but they knew him and they'd spoken with him. And so they attested to the fact that he was a very private man and that he worked by himself. And so I think that that part of the story is really blown up, that he didn't yeah. want anyone to see what he was doing because he was levitating rocks or uh, he was, uh, gosh, there's another theory about him using Tibetan monk techniques to levitate the stones and uh, so other people said that he used crystals or a vortex so there are all these different kinds of theories so again you just have people claiming that he either had superhuman human strength or he levitated the rocks or he had assistance from aliens or he used electromagnetic forces um, but no one seems to really be giving him credits in building the place. And uh, I think that's where Matt kind of comes into play um, because he's got an interesting personal tale that I think can uh, assist us to explain exactly what was happening with Coral Castle.
2: I'm just listening with such excitement uh, and, and depression at the same time, because uh, <laughs> um, there's, there's two things. One, one, I, I haven't been there. You know, like I said, the first time I drove by the place, uh, I was about 18. I had heard about it before then. And I can't remember if this was also maybe in that time life series of books. Um, I can't quite recall if it was, but I know that I, I was familiar with the place when I was uh, pretty young. Um, and, and, and of course at that age, I was completely taken yeah. in by the mysticism of it. Yeah. Uh, but so, yeah, to hear that, you know, the place is a lot smaller and a bit underwhelming. OK, well, now I don't know if I want to go. And then on top of that, <laughs> you know, we've gotten kind of far into the show. And I I don't think I've heard a single pun.
1: I personally don't believe it was supernatural. I put it all down to ingenuity. So,
2: yeah, <laughs> there, <you laughs> there we go. Are. Thank you. OK, now I can Thank continue. You, you, yeah.
0: you caused that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: Um, But, uh, yeah, you know, one of the things that Ed always liked to say, uh, uh, if this is, you know, I I believe this is probably one of the the few quotes that he actually did say is, it's easy if you know how. And I I do kind of believe that because a lot of the things he did, I did recognize. Um, When I was uh, probably about 15, um, I actually had to help doing some logging in northern Colorado Mm -hmm. and uh, spent several summers doing logging and got to see. Now, that was one of the things that Ed did in Canada is mm-hmm. he was a, a lumberjack. Oh, a nice. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah.
1: Now, and you, you think something so, about that
2: job in, informs how to move heavy things? Uh, yeah, <laughs> <it's hostility. laughs> Just um, a little. We, we used to have something called a lifting tripod or a lifting hoist. Yeah. And uh, then, uh, the, you know, the chain, and you see that clearly in a lot of the pictures of Coral Castle being built. And then um, the the, the hoist, uh, all the chains, is called a a block and tackle hoist, Uh, or more simply, it's called a chain pull or a chain hoist. And it really, really increases your ability, and it uses gears, because we all know, like when we talk about a 10-speed bicycle or a car, um, that gears is what gives it the torque, to be able to either, you know, get out of a, a hole that you're stuck in or um, to, to climb a hill or to go really fast on a straightaway. It all depends on how the gears are set up. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what this uh, block and tackle hoist does is you pull on this one chain and you pull really easily and fast. And it gives a, a torque uh, to be able to lift from, you know, the, the gear interchange. Mm -hmm. And uh, so he was sure he was able to lift up to 30 tons pretty easily.
0: Sorry to to interrupt, but Matt said that Ed uh, had worked as a lumberjack in Canada. Now, when he worked across the United States or in uh, back in Latvia, he'd worked as a a stonemason. And he'd continued using those skills. And so, so Masonic other skills secrets are at.
1: in play here is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> well, that, that, That's yet a, another theory, but uh, he used to carve tombstones in Latvia and he did a lot of that kind of hands-on work throughout yeah. the United States too. So it's not, you know, when we talk about uh, in, in previous episodes, we've talked about how animals decompose and uh, how if we're, we don't work in farming. The average person just isn't exposed to, to these kinds of occurrences in right. nature. And I think that there's something similar that's going on here with Coral Castle in that we don't – a lot of these uh, – using these simple machines, these kinds of skills have been lost for the average person. We just don't use these kinds of things. We, we haven't been taught these kinds of things. And uh, so we're, we're unfamiliar with them. And so we attribute this kind of a creation – to uh, paranormal activity or super mm-hmm. supernatural activity because we're just unfamiliar with these basic principles that people used to uh, use at that time
2: so i, I think what we're well, saying I, here i'm is, not going to say it's i was, was going to say sorry, sorry less psychics more physics i don't know i'm not going to say it was aliens but <laughs> <laughs> well he was from latvia <laughs> Too. Just legal aliens, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? True, <laughs> true,
1: true. And
0: I think that that's yeah, that that's a good uh, introduction to another part of this supposed mystery. There is this strange number that appears on one of the the uh, stone sculptures, and that number is seven one two nine dash six ten five one nine five. So it's said that this number is the secret to the universe, and uh, there are lots of different theories about it. It's the, it got the golden ratio, or it's the angle on which the Great Pyramid is formed. And because the number fifty one appears in there too, that was the year nineteen fifty one when Ed died.
1: Hmm. So that he had
0: predicted his date of death.
1: It's, it's also Agnes's phone number. Is that important? What. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and there are stories, too, that after he had built this park and he he would continue to talk about his Sweet 16 and uh, one day his Sweet 16 would arrive and he'd get very wistful about her. And, and again, we don't know if she really existed or if she was some kind of figment of his imagination or an ideal woman. Um, But there were stories that journalists had gone to Latvia and they'd tracked her down and uh, they said, why don't you... Come to the United States and see this beautiful castle that Ed has built for you. And she said, "Look, I wasn't interested then, and I'm still not interested."
1: So right. I think
0: a lot of these things. Are
1: where, where is it really again? South up. South Florida? N- no. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: but anyway, this this number it turns out was his uh, citizenship number. Oh. So I think the first part was his alien number. So speaking about aliens, he, he was an alien. And and I could be mis misquoted, have that taken out of uh, context. But that first number was his uh, his citizenship number. Uh, sorry, the the number was his citizenship number that appears on his citizenship certificate. And apparently, it was a practice at those times um, to to position that number somewhere in case you had uh, you know ice come around calling, wondering who you were and if you were there legitimately. Yeah. So, and I think it I think he seems like he was a very proud man too, so I think he was proud to be a Latvian American, and that was another reason that he had this number out. But it's just interesting to see how people can take something so simple and obvious as that and turn it into something mystical
1: yeah, because it's a lot easier to just make up something to actually than to to try to find the real answer
2: that's yeah well and, and and with that, you know back to how the the things are being moved. Uh, hmm. People look at the top of the tripod and see that black box, which is not really black, but I think black box sounds good. Um, well, and, in and some the, of
0: the black and white pictures, it looks a little dark, and that's why. And I think that there's some kind of link there to a black box on an airplane. I don't know. Well,
2: it's, uh, you know, black black box is supposed to hold all the answers, I guess. But uh, uh, the, the bottom line is, is you know, they, they said that this was, you know, held some sort of magnetic secret and things like that. But no, that's... That held the tripod tips in place, and it also contained the shackle where the chain hoist was attached. That's it. That's all that black box was. And then you know, people wanted to attribute so much to him levitating. You know, the the blocks around and um, moving the blocks, but. Mm-hmm. He used a a chain ratchet and a system of rollers, basically logs, which is, ironically, uh, similar to how the pyramids were built.
1: And how the Flintstones cars worked. There's something – this is all tied together.
2: (laughs) Yeah, very, very Flintstones, very Flintstones uh, with this whole thing. Um, So, yeah, it's really easy to move things around. I don't want to say easy, easy, but it's it's very. It's uh, easier. You're, you know, you're magnifying your force through the magic of <laughs> physics. Logs. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, and, uh, but the bottom line is, it's not none of this is impossible. Just for a human to do it.
0: Sorry. Another important point to make is that he didn't do this overnight. He built Rockgate Park over a period of almost thirty years, and this was his life's work. This was. uh, his passion and he was an artist in, in creating this place. A little eccentric for sure, but he was absolutely an artist and he, he did this his entire life devoted his life to
1: building this, this place
0: Alien species that are Sasquatch.
1: Like I've seen a ghost and I would hear something walking and breathing. Maybe every path is right. I will accept as a premise that every path is right.
2: That is a face on Mars, eyes, nose. It kind of looked like Wilson the volleyball. Some people enjoy the waves or whatever uh, crashing, uh-huh. and I enjoy listening to a quantum physics audiobook.
1: I do think there are many things in the world that we just don't understand yeah. and probably won't understand. That's our yeah. whole show. <laughs> (laughs) So join us every Wednesday on all major podcast platforms and find us on Instagram, TikTok and Twitter at Chinwag Pod and Wagon.
0: And with this move as well, a lot of people uh, will say he moved overnight. He moved everything overnight. I think it's important to mention that he the move took three years. So he didn't do this over a weekend uh, or over a a night or something like that. It was three Very magical years. three years. And I will add too that uh, he had not completed the park when he moved the sculptures. Ah. He hadn't built everything. He hadn't yeah. built that large North wall. So he had moved a, a portion of what he'd built at that point and over a long period of time and then continued to build until 1951 when he died. So it's again, I think there's some links to the Winchester mystery mm. house in that this was an ongoing
2: yeah. lifelong project. Well, Karen, you had uh, mentioned a little bit before about him, you know, only doing this at night. Now, when you were there, you noticed something about the place uh, that would definitely fall in line with that.
0: Well, yeah. I think any Australian or, or Georgian or Floridian would realize that it's so bloody hot there. You don't want to be outside working <laughs> right. on this kind of thing <laughs> during the day. There's no air there conditioning.
1: In, right. Yeah. yeah.
0: I was there in, I think, October, and it was just – stiflingly hot and humid and um, people were walking around with umbrellas. I don't know if they were doing that when you were there and everyone's sweaty and nasty and it was just so hot. Um, Obviously you would want to do that kind of work at night. And so it seems like it's true that he did work at night and he liked to read during the day and relax during the day or to show people around the park. So that comes into another legend too that he – Never uh, worked around people, or he never had people around Rockgate Park. It was open to the public like it is today, and he charged about ten cents for uh-huh. entry, and that increased to twenty-five cents. And I don't know what it is today; it was about twenty dollars or something.
1: It's more, yeah, inflation. What uh, but- <laughs> yeah,
0: is? Yes, yeah. Well, okay, but, uh, absolutely. He he worked at night because it was just just very hot, and so I do not think there was anything mysterious about that. It, that was just um, climate.
1: Now, did he have a day job as well?
0: So I think what happened is that when he worked across North America, he saved money and then traveled to Florida City to regain his health and to set up a a home, to build a home. And so he used that money, and then he made quite a lot of money Uh uh, for the time over the years introducing people to the place uh, as as an attraction. And so that was one of the claims too as to why he moved Rockgate Park is that, uh, and they mention this in the Coral Castle episode of In Search Of as well, that I can't remember what term they use. heavies, a band of heavies or or something like that. It was,
2: it was a band of toughs.
0: Oh, toughs. <laughs> <laughs> a band of toughs. And, yeah, the way that they uh, reconstructed too, they just kind of push him around a bit. But it seems like in reality he was beaten up by a, a gang of guys who... Uh, Believed that Can't he we
2: just stay play. with Tufts? I really like
0: Tufts. Tufts. <laughs> we'll go with Tufts, um, very much of its time. And so they were looking for money that people believed he had on the premises. And at the time of his death, his neighbors came on the premises and um, brought the police in as well. And they found that he had about $3,000 located in his tower. Uh, that was money that he'd saved. Yeah. So he, it seems like he lived very frugally. He made everything, and it seems like uh, there, there are claims that he, when he died, he died of tuberculosis or he died of stomach cancer, but it seems like it might have been malnutrition, that he just didn't really take good care of himself, worked very hard, and uh, just didn't eat very much and just saved his money. So who knows? Maybe he was saving that money to go back to Latvia. and uh, I, I don't know what he was saving it for a rainy day. Why, why ever people save money?
2: I, I wouldn't know. Apparently, <laughs> yeah, me neither.
0: Um,
2: do we want to talk about this mysterious, uh, uh, power source, this generator that he had?
0: Yes, and we also need to go into his books as well. But if you want to talk about the, oh, yeah, the totally. perpetual motion machine. <laughs>
2: yes, yes. So if if you look at it, it's like it looks like kind of like a big gear with some, you know, different parts in it and everything, and and uh, the the stories about it are absurd.
0: And there are um, photographs of him using it too.
2: Yes. And and really all this was was a homemade AC generator. Um, all you, he could really do, he could crank it, and it would power two lights. That's all it did. But <laughs> it would only power them for as long as he was cranking. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, now, now, Blake, uh, I'm, I'm assuming uh, from your military uh experience because in my military experience, I had to use our little crank radio out in the field when we were, uh, you know, setting up certain uh, artillery and things like that. Had to use a little crank radio mm-hmm. to call the others. And, um, and, and it was, you know, pretty impressive little thing, the way it would ca- take a charge and, and uh, hold it. Um, and that little thing was a far better version of what Ed had in his uh, little home there.
1: Yeah, and we mm-hmm. in, on the ship we had sound powered phones as well. So we had all kinds of cool things so that if, you know, if systems went out we could still communicate all over the ship. It was very cool. Um but yeah, I, I, he seemed like a tinkerer. He seemed like a like a he's engineer minded and he made all kinds of really cool things within his, you know, skills. But I think mm-hmm. you you actually hit on my my big insight was that the real power of Coral Castle, like the real what, you know, how did it get built? Why was it built? It was that that he had built a dime receptacle out front, so you could like pay a dime to come see what he had done, right? I mean, he, he clearly Ew. was a showman, and uh, you Ew. know, people may be wondering. I mean, we we how is it, how is this topic in any way related to monsters? And I, I'd say at least one monster uh, we've talked about on the show was um, the Minnesota Iceman, and we mm-hmm. had scientists coming in and getting fooled by what was essentially a, a carnival gaff in a block of ice. It was a, a made-up suit. Mm-hmm. And and they were like, oh, this is a real thing. And you know, they're finding like a classification for it. They're trying to give it a a a name, a Linnaeus, you know, based science name for the species and all these other things. And if you just step back and say, well, wait a minute, they're at a carnival you know, paying a quarter to see a frozen block of, you know, it's clearly yeah. a carnival gag. I mean, it. You know, th- this mm-hmm. is a sideshow attraction made by a guy who had some really cool skills, but was in it for. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was. It was a business. He was making these stories that make it alluring. Uh, you know, they yeah. they all make it worth a dime to come take a look. You know, he he yeah. benefited financially from keeping it mysterious. I I just. That is not Mm -hmm. obvious in in most of the books you read. I mean, it's not obvious when, you know, but it's super obvious when you get there and you see the, (laughs) there's pay a dime, see the thing, you know, and and you're not paying a dime. As you say, you're paying 20 bucks or whatever, but.
0: I would agree that I think that this topic is relevant to the show because this is presented as being a mystery. And uh, a lot of the articles say, scientists are baffled. How did he do this? And uh, a lot of stories come into play talking about aliens and UFOs. And uh, I do want to, talk about his books and yeah. another book where I think some of the legends are coming from as well. But I mean, we we really have everything uh, in this story, including Atlantis, Dr. Atlantis and uh, <laughs> the Bermuda Triangle. But I think we should go back to his, his books. And um, so did you receive those books? Because you said you bought a lot of souvenirs there. I bought a,
1: uh, I, I I've got a big bundle of all of his stuff. Yeah. So uh, and,
0: and, did you ever read his no
1: books? no <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've had a year i have literally not gotten it out of the package it was a package deal like it's all bundled up and shrink wrap kind of thing mm, um yeah. and, and i
0: had something like that too, yeah but i, but I, I haven't even it cracked it the
1: packaging honest honest yeah i, I, I don't so we had lie.
0: i think i think he wrote about three books um <laughs> they were really pamphlets they were very small uh, little booklets and they chronicled his experiments and his theories and one is called Mineral Vegetable Animal Life, and it's about magnets and his theories about magnets and magnetic currents. Another book is called Magnetic Base. And then he had a very strange one that, that you should look at because it's just it's very curious. It's called The Book in Every Home, and it's really about his opinions of, of society and people and culture. And he uh, shares a lot of his very quaint perspectives on relationships and. Um, I've got a couple of quotes here that I think are interesting. Uh, He, in talking about Sweet Sixteen, it seems in some ways as though she was this ideal that he had in his head uh, because he writes about women in general. And he says that girls should take smaller steps than boys. By taking smaller steps, the body would not jump as much up or down or swing from side to side. And then he also talks about how he always wanted a girl, but he never had one. And that he was looking for a woman who was unsoiled the way that mother nature puts her out. So he had a lot of.
1: So he's obviously never yeah, seen tradition- birth. What-
0: See <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, so a lot of traditional gender role ideas about how men and women should be. Uh, but his his books that chronicle his experiments and, and theories. It, I shared them with a friend of mine who's a physicist and he couldn't make sense of them at all. He said that they were really nonsensical. They weren't using legitimate or scientific terminology. So I think that his knowledge was just very uh, he was a layperson when it came well, to m- Maybe he to was an agnostic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, so I, I think Starting to
2: regret my request. (laughs)
0: Yes, (laughs) I think Matt might have seen, um, had taken a look at these books in the past, or, or you've read about some of the things that he said. And
2: I um, I did, I did, and and they were uh, definitely they They were not even of their time, yeah uh they were it was very old fashioned thinking and very you know stuck in the mud kind of thinking but uh and 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 same goes with the uh, the his technical books um his uh, he 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 had spent a lot of time alone. he had had a lot of people telling him how amazing he was. Uh, for creating this and uh, seemingly, uh, you know, from mystical powers and everything, and I think he really started to believe a lot of his own ideas, you know, uh, whimsical ideas. I think he started to give them a lot more credit than maybe he should have. Hmm. Uh, and and we so we got a, a very bizarre set of books out of it. And I, yeah, yeah. When, when you're really bored, definitely take a look at oh,
0: them. I've got a little um, quote from Magnetic Base if you want to hear it. So he writes. Many of you have noticed that if you're looking with a concentrated look at someone's back while the person doesn't know it, the person's liable to get restless and look around. I've noticed sometimes that I can chase the mosquitoes away from the wall by only giving a sharp look at them.
1: There was nobody doing that when I was there because the mosquitoes were everywhere. (laughs) Yes. But it it, it shouldn't be shocking that a a man who works with stone and lives alone has primitive Stone Age views of the world.
0: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But, well, you um,
2: know, you know, Coral Castle, Coral Castle is an amazing feat, but not because yeah. it was mystical. It's mm-hmm. the, the amazing aspect of it is because most of us would never be driven for 28 years to accomplish it. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Very, very eccentric thing to do. It is. Um, I also want to talk about a, or to, just to read a quote um, from a sign that's in the tool shed in his tower. And Blake, I'm sure that that's still there, and you would have seen it. Uh, because people will say, well, how did he do it? And when you walk around, you can see they've still got a lot of the equipment there, yep. the the uh, you know, hooks and chains and, and cogs and things like that, they, they still have them. But there's a sign when you walk in there and into the tool shed and it says, the most frequent question overheard here is, how did one man without assistance construct the Coral Castle? The answer is, with an uncanny knowledge of the laws of leverage and balance, engineering and sculpture, and with the aid of simple tools such as metal falls, block and tackle rollers, jacks, wedges, slings, cable ledges and chisels, and above all, infinite patience and a tremendous imagination. So it's just very curious that people will come up with all of these supernatural theories when the the answer is, is just right in front of you.
1: It, it's not as impressive, but it takes the same kind of OCD to make the biggest ball of twine in Minnesota. Yeah, I mean, you know what I mean? It's like it's like you just you have to stay focused on the thing you're obsessed with, you know? I mm-hmm.
2: and and well, every well, now and well, then
1: I, somebody manages to take their obsession and turn it into
2: a money maker, which is amazing. I mean, I I sure. And another thing I think that drives the the mysticism about it is all the the pop culture um with it. Uh what was that movie? Was it Nude on the Moon or something? <laughs> what? Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> so what? <laughs> his ears perk up. So we'll talk a little bit about the the pop culture. And uh, I think one of the bits of evidence that we have for the fact that his uh, what he did was natural and not supernatural. Uh, there's a lot of photographic evidence. He had a brownie box camera and he took pictures of himself, these proud pictures of him standing beside the tripod or the things that he'd made. And there's also video footage. So the first bit of video footage that we have of Coral Castle goes back to 1944. And it was I don't know if you've heard of this, Blake, the Person Oddity series. No. Uh, by Universal Pictures. And it's called The Fantastic Castle. So that might have been one of the early uses of castle in reference to Rockgate Park. But it is, it's is—it's a very fun little video that you can watch. The, the quality isn't very good. Uh, one of those kind of newsreels. Uh, yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Um, it's
1: kind of like a newsreel, but but yes, like,
0: yeah. human interest. And it's, uh goes for about two minutes, I think. Yeah. And
2: you, exposes- there's footage... It exposes oh, everything that that he did, really.
0: Yeah, I think it was found in the back of a cupboard in someone's place years ago. Um, but it it has uh, footage of him actually building the place and wow. people watching him and people, uh, you know, scantily clad women uh, in the rocking chairs. And um, so it's, it's just great to see him actually building the place. And again, in the middle of the day, too. I was about to say, it's not built at night. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure there were times that he worked during the day when maybe during winter or or fall um but it's just really cool to see that photographic evidence of him building the place and you see all of the tools and the tripods and um it's just really fun to see but the coral castle has appeared in a number of other movies and TV shows um so as we've been saying a lot of it was in uh, in search of it's also been on Ripley's believe it or not and ancient aliens um, but it was on a number of, in a number of movies, so that were filmed on location back in the fifties and sixties. And as Matt mentioned, one of those is Nude on the Moon. And so a friend of ours, unfortunately, introduced us to to this um, movie. And I can't remember the plot. Do you remember the plot?
2: Uh, it was a. Uh... I can't remember just some astronauts discovered, you know, when they went up to the moon, this little colony of naked ladies living there. Were they playing volleyball? (laughs) Possibly. I've never seen people
1: naked not playing volleyball. (laughs) 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 On film, I mean, you know.
0: (laughs) But uh, Coral Castle also appeared in an earlier film, 1958, called The The Wild Women of Wongo." And in 1966, Jimmy the Wonder Boy.
1: <laughs> That's what they used to call me. And I
0: think, <laughs> yeah, I think one of the most famous bits of pop culture about uh, Coral Castle, though, is the song Sweet 16 by Billy Idol. And if you go and look at the video, I think there are two videos. I haven't found the one that was shot on location at Coral Castle, but there was one that they filmed Um of him doing that and so, so he was inspired by In Search On to write that song and it's a pretty pretty ballad. So many people seem to know about the place, and I think because of *In Search of* and um, Billy Idol's song. So I think you know there are lots of things that we could talk about, and I do want to talk about one book in particular. But I think Matt should probably touch upon uh, some of the people who've tried to replicate aspects of Coral Castle or um, Stonehenge. Going to make mention of that. Yeah
2: yeah there's one gentleman his name is Wally Wallington, and I don't think he was even trying to replicate anything in terms of Coral Castle. He did make his own version of Stonehenge uh in his backyard and he was he he likes to his obsession is demonstrating how to move really big things without any modern machinery mm-hmm. and uh he's got some videos on YouTube if you look up Wally Wallington or uh you know um Something like uh, coral castle solved things like that you'll you 'll come across his his stuff, and he 's just this uh, this grandpa that likes to go out and and do this stuff, and he 'll demonstrate how easily it can be done without you know using modern technology so it 's kind of cool, but his name was Wally, and um, I actually have a family member by the name of Wally, and uh, he lived by himself up in the mountains of Colorado. <laughs> And he was able to do the the darndest things. Uh, He had no electricity, no running water or anything like that from, you know, a municipal source. Um, He kind of did his own thing. He found a spring. He dug this channel that that went over to his uh, house that he had dug or that built there. And he had a tank underneath the house that he filled from the spring. And then he would pump water up to a tank that was up on this hill. Uh, far above the house and then the sheer force of gravity would send the water down and he would actually get decent water pressure um a very clean spring water Mm -hmm. and uh it it took him a while to do it but he figured out how to do it and when you think about it it's not a big deal but when you go into his place and you go you know he says i don't have water from you know the city or anything and you turn on the the taps and he says yeah i got it from the spring down there you're like how did you do this this is amazing um and he, he had banks of um marine batteries that uh he would uh have a windmill that he had built uh generate the power to charge up these batteries so at night he could uh try to watch a little bit of TV or things like that. He had a ham radio. Um,
0: some nude on I, the moon.
2: <laughs> yeah, watch some nude on the moon and it was uh but it was it was kind of fascinating how when you just leave somebody alone to figure out and solve these problems, you know, necessity is the mother of invention and they mm-hmm. come up with these, you know, s- simple, but ingenious solutions. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and when this same person has a background in a lot of these methods needed, well, it's even that much easier, uh, such as, as Ed, you know, he had a background in a lot of the things he needed to be able to uh, accomplish what he did. But I had a conversation with Brian Brushwood recently and he was telling me, um, how, you know, people will come up to him and ask him how a particular magic trick is done. And he would say, okay, think about it this way. You're going to go on a TV show and you've got to make this effect happen. And you've got this amount of time, you've got this amount of budget, and you've got this much access to materials. Go. How are you going to do it? And, And they kind of panic for a moment and then they go, well, I would probably do it this way. And he's thinking to himself, wow, you nailed it. You got it exactly right. But then they follow up with, but that would be stupid. <laughs> <laughs> so so it seems like people don't trust themselves enough to just do the simplest thing. Yeah. To oh, do yeah, the most we logical We underestimate
0: thing. people. Yeah.
2: Exactly. There's no way a human being could have been responsible for that.
0: So uh, I did want to just raise uh, a book, which is very popular with a lot of the paranormal crowd. And it's called Waiting for Agnes. So I'm not sure if, Blake, you're familiar with this book? I am not. So it's by a guy called Joe Bullard. Came out maybe around 2000. And uh, so it says it's inspired by the true story of Coral Castle. But it's actually a novel. And it even says on the front cover that it's a novel. And the book's out of print now, I think, to access the secondhand copies, about $100. Yikes. Um, Yeah, very expensive. But it's... The book is just nuts. It links Coral Castle to so many different kinds of phenomena from the Bermuda Triangle to Atlantis and to UFOs and aliens and even Nazis. And for that reason, it's banned at Coral Castle, so they won't even sell the book on the premises. But I think it is responsible for a lot of the myth, a lot of the, the myths about aliens and UFOs and just all the phenomena that seem to... Come together behind this story, um, because a lot of people do read it as though it is fact and not a novel, as it says a novel.
1: Yeah, and now that you said that was from two thousand, right?
0: About two thousand. Yeah. Um, and the guy has has just been on a lot of paranormal radio shows, um, you know, coast to coast, um, and he, he's really he's treated as an authority on. Coral Castle, but he's written a novel.
2: So I just looked it up, and uh, it says yeah, it says that the original one was January first, two thousand. So that's an interesting date. Hmm. Um, you can get used one if you go to Amazon. You can actually get used copies of it for around twenty five bucks. Um, okay. The paperback is about forty two fifty six. So if anybody uh, wants to torture themselves with this, uh, <laughs> they can absolutely. Run and get it because uh, it is uh, it is fiction I can give you um, a, a little bit of the synopsis if you'd like okay sure okay. Um, Coral castle is a historical novel blending facts fiction and fantasy in a fast-paced tale that includes accounts of reincarnation time travel through dreams and UFOs it is not boring historical document but told in a folksy Andy Griffith style <laughs> Uh there you go (laughs) sarah get me stone temple pilots
0: (laughs) Uh, this is the kind of thing i think that has really added to the the legend and the the lore of coral castle and turned it into a lot more than it really is and so we've spoken about how very few people would be so driven and motivated to create something like this there are a few other strange buildings there's one and the name escapes me right now that's in Colorado there's one in France uh, a number of strange buildings like coral castle that people created over their entire lives over the course of many decades and they just did it for whatever reason they wanted to or why ever they were driven to do that but the fact is that these kinds of places do exist and it's not something that any of us would do or the average person would really do but um, it, it is possible. And, Blake, I'm sure you would have seen the sign when you go to Coral Castle and you enter the place. There's a sign at the front that says you will be seeing unusual accomplishment, and Ed actually put that sign together. And I think that that's just a nice testament to the fact that this is – he created this place, and it's a huge accomplishment, but it's a human accomplishment. It yeah. wasn't created by aliens. It wasn't created by uh, – doesn't have any links to – Paranormal phenomena. This is something. This is hard work. We in say in Australia, we'd call it hard yakka. Lots of hard work. I think in closing, I think all of the the facts, all of the explanations, uh, are natural. They're not supernatural, and everything is there. Some of the tools that he used, the fact that he talks about his accomplishments. Uh, I really do think that this is a, a mystery that has been created after the fact, and that. Uh, he he was probably very proud of his work and, and did play up what he did. But uh, I don't think that he was really a part of the theories of, of uh, the, the paranormal theories and the supernatural theories. So I, I think that um, – but he certainly did have some strange ideas about science.
1: But – he knew how he did it and he knew it was different and that it was based on technology that he'd learned to master through, you know, through his life Mm -hmm. and his experience. And it's just annoying that people always want to find some magic explanation instead of hard work and ingenuity to explain human accomplishment Mm -hmm. that they didn't do. Right. You know, so.
0: He certainly deserves credit uh, as, as an artist for this place and um, for having skills that, Not many people have nowadays, or even then.
1: Yeah, it would be funny if, if like the spouse of these ancient alien theorists, uh, like if you know they they decide to surprise their spouse and make dinner, and the the spouse comes home and is like, "Oh, this is delicious." Aliens made this? No, no, I made it. Mm, I don't think so. Just like just everything they do, everybody questions whether they really did. I don't. I find that highly unlikely.
2: You know, (laughs) we literally have that conversation every night.
0: (laughs) Uh, It is definitely an insult when it comes to human Mm -hmm. accomplishment and, and ingenuity. It's dehumanizing. I mean, these are things that humans are capable of doing and they should receive credit
1: Exactly, that. exactly. Well, I think this was a fun way to kick off a new year of Monster Talk.
0: Thank- Absolutely, yes. I mean, to, to uh, look at a really classic topic that's dear to all of us.
2: Yeah, and thanks thanks for joining us, Matthew. I really appreciate you guys including me.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and to the, the ghost. And in
2: the, the ghost. House. I, I still don't know what you're talking about there. Well, um, I was
1: thinking, though, you know um, – we, if if uh if ed had uh, like used a different building material like maybe if he'd made his whole thing with flowers we could have floral castle well check the show notes and um maybe we'll get a little video out of this as well um and uh yep. we'll look forward to a, an exciting 2021 monster talk you've been listening to monster talk the science show about monsters I'm Blake Smith.
0: And I'm Karen Stolzner.
1: You just heard a roundtable discussion with special guest Matt Baxter, joining Karen and myself to talk about the handcrafted 20th century megalithic site called Coral Castle. We've put lots of photos and links in the show notes for you, so be sure and check those out. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Monster Talk. And please, share our show on your favorite social media platforms. Monster Talk theme music is by Peach Stealing Monkeys. Thank you so much for listening.
0: in a Monster House presentation.